0: Part of Double P Media, media doublepmedia.com. You're listening to Bustin' Blockbuster's Wheel of Time coverage. Welcome back to the Double B. Bustin' Blockbusters. My name is Matt. Thanks for joining me. Are you excited? Are you as excited as I am that Wheel of Time is only a couple of days away now? I mean, this Friday, November 19th, we'll get three episodes of Wheel of Time, the series that many people have been waiting for for 20 years. Isn't that amazing? They're finally going to get the Wheel of Time. They've read all the books three times, five times, seven times. And now they're going to get the series, and we're going to take this show very seriously. In fact, we're going to take it so seriously that you might have noticed that I put a very pretentious box style version of Lorne Balfe's Al Duval at the front of this podcast. That's right. Uh, Lorne Balfe, on November 12th, released a new soundtrack for The Wheel of Time. It's called Wheel of Time, The First Turn. Be sure to check it out wherever you get your music might I suggest buying it? We need to support the artists more directly than just the minuscule percentages that they get based on streams and downloads. We really need to support these artists. That's my soapbox for the day. We're done with that. But today we're going to be busting BALF. That's another double B. And looking at that particular theme, actually. It appeared in the trailer. And he calls it the White Cloak theme as well as its title, Al Deval, which stands for For the Light. More on that when we get into that section. But first, I just want to tell you, you need to follow this podcast on whatever app that you're using to listen to this or follow us on YouTube. Just search for Double P Media on YouTube and subscribe to that channel. I'm going to be giving away something that I still haven't decided yet what it's going to be, but I'm going to be giving away something at the end of this season of Wheel of Time for anybody who submits a screenshot of them being subscribed to the Double P YouTube or to any of the Double P podcasts like Parsec Passion, like the Double P podcast feed, or this feed, Bustin Blockbusters. Just look for it wherever you get your podcasts please subscribe also if you have time leave a review it just helps me decide you know what i'm doing that you like or don't like and if you don't like any of it say that too or if you like all of it say that too but say something say anything we just want to hear from you that's one way the other way is just send emails to mattsaudioblog audio at gmail.com m-a-t-t-s audio at gmail.com or you can tweet to, and this is important because it's got lots of information on my Twitter, at Bust Blockbuster. There's no I-N and there's no S on that, unlike the title of this podcast. You just say at Bust Blockbuster, all strung together, and that's the way you reach me. If you follow me on Twitter there, then you will also find a tweet pinned to the top of that Twitter page, of that profile, that has a link for you to join our Discord server. And that's important because I want to hear directly from you. What I want to do is have you join our Discord server and then on Saturdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, after a new episode of Wheel of Time Errors, I want you to be able to call in. You just hook up to Discord and whatever device you're using, you use the microphone on that, and you talk to me, and we'll include that as part of our podcast coverage as well. We call them fan call-in shows. I started them a long time ago, back oh when was it? Oh, uh, there were there were predecessors, of course, but we do it kind of like an old-timey radio show. My most popular version of that was for podcast Winterfell when we covered Game of Thrones uh, during seasons two, three, four, and the beginning of season five, but. The concept has been around for a long, long time, and we want you to participate in it as well. The link for the Discord server is at the top of my Twitter page, so be sure to check out @bustblockbuster. Also remember that we're part of the Double P Podcast Network. Double P Media is an easier way to say that, rather than all of those P's in a row, which is somewhat annoying, and Bubba did that purposely, I'm pretty sure to make it somewhat annoying, mostly to annoy catfish, but it annoys me too. Anyway, Double P Media, the word double, the letter P, media. That's how you find everything that they do, doublepmedia.com. Also, search for Double P Media on YouTube and you'll get a video presentation of this particular podcast as well when we release them. You will also get all kinds of things just by following at the word double, the letters PHQ on Twitter. Be sure to follow them because they've got lots of stuff coming up. Actually, this fall, they covered Why the Last Man. They also covered what? They covered uh, uh, only murders in a building. Took me a second, but I finally got there. And they also will be covering House of the Dragon when it comes in 2022. Babylon Berlin will be back. I'll be joining Bubba and Catfish for that. There's all kinds of things coming up. The Book of Boba Fett will be covered by the Parsec Passion Podcast. There's another triple P. All those P's that Bubba likes to put in all those things. But Parsec Passion Podcast is an important podcast. When Book of Boba Fett starts airing on Disney Plus at the end of December, be sure to follow Parsec Passion and on whatever app that you're using to get your podcast. And that way, They will have you along for there. They have all kinds of great games, lots of fun with that podcast. I want you to join them up. But I really want you to participate in our fan call-in show. Again, at Blockbuster on Twitter is the link where you can find it. Or you can find this podcast, all of my podcast stuff, at mattsaudioblog.com. M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com. And there's a Discord server link there as well. So you have no excuse. You've been supplied plenty of links. You've been invited. Those links don't go away. So please join our Discord server and participate in the community when we talk about the Wheel of Time. And lots of people have been talking about this community as well. We have got lots of feedback on our last YouTube where we reviewed the official trailer uh, when Bubba and I looked at that. And we heard some from some great fans of the wheel of time who commented on our comments and i love that thank you so much for doing so like chuck who says i've been waiting years for this to happen the books were so good that i could not put them down i'm sure the series will be good as well thank you chuck i agree i'm very hopeful uh darrow 23 says there is a game of thrones subplot in the series in the old tongue that they refer to as Desdemar. de which translates to Game of Houses in Common. Thank you for that information, because we were talking about, will it be more like Game of Thrones, or will it be more like Lord of the Rings? And this tells us that at some point in the series, there may be more like a Game of Thrones kind of thing. That's perfect. Priscilla, one of my favorite people, who does a great number of presentations on her own YouTube channel. Just go back to our previous podcast, find her comment in that, and... You can follow her YouTube channel as well, which I, I'll i put a link in the show notes as well for Priscilla's YouTube channel. But she says, it would be very interesting to see if Bubba gets interested in Wheel of Time when it gets out. Since Amazon will release three episodes in a row and then weekly, I would assume the three episodes are geared towards non-book readers lan is catching moraine in that shot that you couldn't make out thank you so much for that thought and actually steven concurred with you who said i think it's lan who is catching moraine who has collapsed from exhaustion in uh that one shot in the trailer that bubba and i could not determine who those people were so thank you guys very much steven and priscilla uh hara Goes on to say, how Jordan wrote this series is hilarious. The work itself is very serious and grand, but a lot of origins for the world are funny. Uh, And they go into great detail about that, but I'm not going to here. Uh, It's really like The Lord of the Rings at the same time, yet so different. Great points, Hera, because the first two seasons, uh, or the first book, I guess you should say, is very much like The Lord of the Rings. Um, then we'll see where it goes from there. I won't say anything more else about that, uh, but Eric had some corrections and some good ones, and believe me, I don't know the old tongue. Uh, if somebody didn't put out Al dival" means for the light in the old tongue, I wouldn't know. I'm not an expert here. I'm just a fan, uh, and hopefully you can accept that, and that's why I need you on the fan call-in show, so that, experts can come in and talk to me and tell me what i got wrong or what i'm getting right Uh, i want to hear from you all but anyway eric writes in and says brandon sanderson actually wrote the final three books in the series moraine's jewel is not an angriel at all merely a family cultural tradition for highborn ladies in her homeland i did not know that all i remember is that uh There's some mentions in the books that it helped her to focus her power a little bit, and so I thought of it like an angry all. For you book readers, you'll know what I'm talking about there. If you're not a book reader, don't worry about it. We're all going to find out together. Uh, Finally, Rena says, The first book and season is an homage to The Lord of the Rings, but then it expands into new territory. So I made a lot of Lord of the Rings comparisons when we did the trailer, mainly to put it in context for Bubba, but... Thank you all so much for pointing out and pointing out to our listening audience how much it does change over the course of time to be different from Lord of the Rings so that people don't think they're just getting a rinse-repeat of J.R.R. Tolkien. Thank you very much for those comments. You are all so smart. I want to keep hearing these comments on the YouTube. I want you to email Matt's Audioblog at gmail.com. I want you to tweet to at Bust Blockbuster on Twitter and tell me what I'm getting right. Tell me what I'm getting wrong. Tell me your thoughts about your impressions of episodes and trailers and things like that. It'll be fantastic. And you've heard me rambling a lot. You're going to hear me ramble more as we get into our Bustin' valve section. That's a double B, right? Yeah? And we're going to do that over in my studio, which is that way. So you won't get any video of me while we're doing the music section, but I'll supply pictures and little information as we go along that's about the only snippet that we can play regarding that theme uh legally And just put it that way what we want you to do is we want you to go and buy lauren baus the wheel of time first turn go do it right now or at very least listen to it a billion times on Spotify or however you get your music so that he at least gets a penny for your streams. That song is a very powerful song and I'm going to play it on the piano in its f- full phrasing. But when the official trailer came out, that theme was actually part of the trailer music. It was an in instrumental form, but it was part of the trailer music, and a great show called the Dusty Wheel. They've been around for a long time. They do a great production, and they always get big time guests for Wheel of Time. And they had Lauren Balfon uh, the day that the trailer first came out, and that's where this piece of music called Al Dival, which means for the light, actually was debuted other than, of course, it being instrumentally portrayed in the trailer. Lauren said some very interesting things regarding the music for the series that puts it in a category that I'm not used to really doing musical analysis on. But he worked with Rafe, and they did a different kind of approach. First of all, they took harmonies that are more associated with eastern culture than western culture in order to give the sound of the show a little bit of uniqueness compared to maybe other fantasy shows found that fascinating but he also said that a lot of music and you will hear it if you listen to this first soundtrack called first turn the wheel of time first turn you will hear that a lot of the pieces are done with singing voices. This is something that Rafe wanted specifically. And what Balth told the Dusty Wheel, again, a great show, be sure to check them out. But what he told them was that these pieces exist as sort of a libretto to go along with different storylines within the Wheel of Time. They're all done in the old tongue. I don't know the old tongue. As I said earlier, I'm not an expert here. I'm just a fan. But they will help to tell the story of what's going on lyrically as well as musically in the episode. And this is a somewhat different approach from most of the stuff that I've analyzed for the Double P or for my own podcasts or what have you. I'm really looking forward to it. I'll have to get somebody to help me do some translations probably, as we go along to see how, oh, this lyric pertains to this part of the story and what have you, be sure to tweet at me, at Blockbuster, if you have a good knowledge of how to interpret some lyrics and that kind of thing, which I'm not going to comment on in this musical analysis, because when it comes to that stuff, I'm a dummy. At any rate, there was some great insight to that, and he debuted this song on the Dusty Wheel And I was blown away by it, not because I understood the lyrics or what they meant, but because he called it the White Cloak theme and its name is Aldival, which is translated, I am told, by the song credits to mean for the light, White Cloaks and for the light. If you are a book reader, you know that the White Cloaks is actually kind of the common name for an army that call themselves the children of the light. And I don't want to say anything more to spoil the story, except to say that they believe they're doing their purpose for their religion, so to speak. And sometimes that imposes upon others. We'll just put it like that. Anybody you saw in the trailer that was dressed in white, all white was probably a white cloak. And unlike the old saying where the good guys wear white, I'll just say that the white cloaks aren't necessarily always good guys. At any rate, the whole idea of using Eastern harmonies in a Western context was very interesting to me, and we're going to get into that in a second, but I just want to, once again, and I know I've already done this once before, but for people who are new, because we had a whole lot of new views on the last YouTube presentation, so for those of you who are watching this there thank you very much for coming back and for those of you who are new to the podcast thanks for coming back and now you won't have to worry about going back to an earlier episode to see what the heck i'm talking about because i'm going to tell you here when i analyze music i look at it through four prisms basically first is timbre and what i mean by timbre is the instruments that are being played there seems to be a lot of guitar and stringed instruments in general within this score, if you listen to the soundtrack. And not all of the cuts in the soundtrack are sung, but many of them are. They still have string-type instruments portrayed with them. So, the type of instrument that's being played, be it guitar, flute, trumpet, violin, what have you, the timbres can make an emotional or intellectual difference in the way that you perceive a scene. That's one of the rules of good film scoring. And Balfe has always been very good at producing good film scores. Harmony's number two in terms of importance to me, but I'm going to get back to that at the end. First, I want to explore rhythm. Because rhythm can make a difference in the way that we perceive a scene as well. What is rhythm? Well, Rhythm is the way that the beat is subdivided. If I count to you one, two, three, four, then no matter how I subdivide it, you're still going to end up with one, two, three, four. But the way that I subdivide it can make a huge difference in the way you feel. For instance, if I just go one and two and three and four and it sounds kind of straight, kind of uptight, right? Not always, but it can give that impression. What if I count it as a triplet? One and a two and a three and a four and a. Now it has a little more bounce in it. Could be playful. It could just be more intense. Or what if I divide that beat by fours? One and a two and a three and a four and a. Some of that straightness returns, but there is definitely much more intensity to it than just one and two and three and four and. Or one and two and three and four and. Because I'm uptight. Within rhythm, a couple of other things have to be considered. Like the meter. How many counts am I getting? Am I counting it one, two, three, four? Or am I counting it one, two, three, one, two, three? Where the downbeat drops gives us different kinds of feelings as well. Or if you want things to feel off. You can use what we call mixed meter, things like 5-4 or 7-4, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2. See how that kind of throws everything off? It doesn't feel like the one's falling in the right place. One of the reasons that that happens is because we humans like our beats to be symmetrical. You ever heard that phrase, it's got a beat and I can dance to it? You typically don't hear that with a 7-4 song. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Typically doesn't work, right? It's kind of hard to figure out where to put the emphasis, where to swing your hips at. So the meter can be very important in portraying things as well. Another aspect of that is tempo. Am I counting at one, two, three, four? Just kind of meandering? Or am I counting at one two three four one two three four? Anytime you elevate a tempo of something or increase the subdivisions of something in the rhythm, it tends to make a person's heart rate go up a little more because there's more action happening. Just like people get excited when people are fighting and they're doing all kinds of slick moves as opposed to they're just standing there talking, which I never get because I think the conversations are much more interesting to me than the fights. But most people like the fights. And I can't blame them for that. That's just the way they feel. So we have rhythm and we have timbre. Another one that I want to get to is melodic shape. And this one's interesting because it's very visually apparent when you know how to read music. But your ears can tell you also. How high do the notes go from where they started? Do they return to back to where they were? How big are the differences between notes? Do they jump big distances? Or do they just go short little distances? Or do they stay on the same note? All of these things about melodic shape can tell part of the story or can increase or decrease tension. Bigger jumps have more tension in them than little noodlings around. Static notes actually have more tension in them then big jumps because you keep waiting for the darn thing to move. And that's enough of about those three things. Now I want to get to the key one, and this is how we'll really look at this theme, Al all For the Light, or as Lauren Balf calls it, the White Cloak theme, harmony. Harmony is the thing that is produced by notes sometimes are playing the melody, sometimes are just being in support of the melody, But they're what give us emotional context. A long time ago, there was this guy named Pythagoras. You may have heard of him if you've studied triangles. Or you've been made to take a geometry class or anything like that. The Pythagorean theorem? Are you familiar? Yeah. He tried to apply math to every aspect of life. And that included music. And he determined that certain notes, when played at the same time or played one after the other, created different kinds of tensions naturally within humans. And what he determined also was that very specific combinations created very specific kinds of feelings. This is the very basis for good film scoring. How you harmonize something can help a person feel a certain emotion about the scene that they're watching. It's so important. So let's go over this real quick, and then we'll see how all of this works within Balfe's composition here. There are, in Western music, basically four kinds of chords that work in film scoring to produce certain kinds of results. First, you have the major chord major chords, because of the way the notes are configured, because there's a certain distance between certain notes, Pythagoras determined that most of us humans feel lighter, or more at ease, or happier when we hear major chords. Now you can take a major chord, and you can just change one note, making it just a little bit further away, and you get a different effect. This is called an augmented chord. Augmented chords tend to feel weird. The reason? Pythagoras found out that we don't like symmetry much. And this is going to be important in another chord later. But when things are the exact same number of spaces apart, they make us feel a little different than when there's combinations of numbers between, of spaces in between notes. I know it sounds like a lot of gibberish, but by changing one note and just raising it up one half step, just to the next note, black or white, you get a different kind of feeling than you do from a major chord. Augmented chords feel weird, right? They feel, they feel strange. They don't feel quite right. They may feel heavenly or they may even feel slightly sentimental because the happiness is being stretched on the flip side of things, we've talked about happiness and maybe even sentimentalness and maybe a little bit of weird or heavenliness. Now we got to go to the dark side because just like the force, just like the one power, everything's got two sides, right? Now we need to go to the darker side and we begin with the minor chord. The minor chord, actually, it's interesting The inversion, or the number of distance between notes, is kind of an inversion of the major, which is perhaps one reason why, when we hear a minor chord, we experience darker thoughts, sadness, anger. And to take that same chord and move the top note down to the next note, we get a diminished chord, which sounds like this. That typically invokes scary thoughts, thoughts that don't have resolution, thoughts that create tension, because those four notes, in any order, can go anywhere. Why? Because they're symmetrical. There are 12 notes within each Western scale, and within those Western scales, if you divide any of them by equal amounts, like this one, where you have four notes into 12 possible At a distance of three apart, exactly. That's very symmetrical, right? On top of that, any one of those notes could resolve to a different kind of chord. And we need it to resolve because by itself, it needs to go somewhere. And when you don't get that resolution, oh boy, that's terrifying. Now, you don't know that in your brain. You're not thinking that. But something in your very human existence is telling you that. What do you know? Pretty interesting stuff. Not interesting at all. You're ready to turn everything off? Well, let's talk about the theme and how you find all four of those chords in this theme, Aldeval, For the Light by Lauren Balf, and how those four chords propel the music forward. First of all, before we even get into talking about the main verse or the chorus, Or all those things that we're used to talking about when we talk about tunes. Every great tune's got a great intro, right? How about this for an intro? I mean, that's kind of sinister sounding, isn't it? Why? Because the notes that make up that melody outline a diminished chord which can be very sinister, very evil, very unsettling. And boy, is that line unsettling, right? So it is a great way to set up a group like the Children of the Light, or if you prefer, White Cloaks, that there's something not only unstable about them, that they need to do something, but there's a lot of tension when they come on the screen. A couple of other things that I spent 10 minutes rambling about, the timbre, it's a guitar. And not only that, but it's using harmonics and those timbres also put us on edge, right? And believe it or not, the rhythm, actually technically the meter also throws us off a little bit because we have this line that feels like one, two, three, four, one, right? But In actuality, it's a line in 3-4 or 6-4. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. It's not typically a 4. Now, 3s are much more acceptable to the human body because you can always group a couple of 3s together like the meat of this song does and turn them kind of into 2s. Like one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three. But that also creates just an added little bit of tension other than just one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four, which sounds very blah by comparison, right? Very harmless by comparison. But the time you start to put that edge in, it kind of comes around a little quicker than you expect it to and that makes you feel uncomfortable so now we're getting into this beautiful verse sung by i believe it's peter cox who has an amazing voice and he sings this verse that sets up the big chorus and the melody of the verse sounds like this we talked earlier about Balf saying that they wanted eastern influences there's your eastern influence right there you've got this bottom note and all of the notes of the melody are kind of fitting against it except for maybe one or two and that's because this melody is taken using what we call modes of a scale now you can take a scale and you can play it from any note to any note, just don't change the notes of the scale, but depending on where you start, you get a different mode for each place that you start. And this particular mode is what we call Super Locrian You don't need to know that name, don't worry. You don't need to know that name. But the entire scale that this melody is based on sounds like this. By skipping every other note, you get different harmonies. And that's where a lot of different harmonies come from as well in terms of creating different kinds of tensions. That scale doesn't really sound all that great. But if I move it up a step, it sounds exactly like a melodic minor scale ascending. And a melodic minor scale ascending is less offensive, though still almost as ambiguous because it takes that minor sound that you feel dark about but at the end, it goes towards the major sound so that it can lead back to the minor. That's a lot just to say that it's a way to make things sound more Eastern because it's the way Eastern music is created, based on modes, based on scales that we don't normally use in Western music. But here is the home scale that that mode is derived from. It's the same notes. I just started at a half step higher. Now, one important thing to note is that composers, as accomplished as Lauren Balfe, they don't need to sit there and think about things like, well, if I use this mode of this scale, it'll create this effect. They just do it. I'm pretty sure that Lauren will be one of the first people to tell you, I read a scene on a script, or I see a scene on the screen after an edit, and then my brain tells me My director needs an Eastern sound, and this is just what comes to my head, and then I put it down, and I write it out. And it's always left to people like me, then, to tell you musically why that works. And I use all of these technical terms that you don't need to know, but I use them anyway because that way it offers a degree for you to understand the process that musicians go through, even if they don't think about it. They still go through these processes, and the end result is how we feel when we see it on the screen and hear the sounds coming into our ears. At any rate, Lauren's not worried about these scales that I've been rambling on about. What he is worried about is then getting to the big punch, and that comes in the chorus. The chorus is the big punch. love moments like that now there's a lot here on the piano that i can't portray that happens in the song the guitars get crunchier timbre drums start pounding timbre and rhythm everything gets bigger the voices get more harsh and there's more of them timbre the melody soars melodic shape and lo and behold all of those chords that we talked about before that you thought I was wasting your time with, all four of those chords are in Balfe's composition to propel it from one feeling to the next. The first section is minor, sad or angry. All of that stuff is based out of the minor harmony. This one. And so you know that when these white cloaks show up, it's not a happy thing. It's not a thing of relief. It's probably not a place you want to be. Then in the next phrase, things actually take even a darker turn with this. Now the interesting thing is, is a major chord is actually implied here. That's right, a major chord. What we typically think of as happy. Most of the melody is based out of the minor again. But that last note and that last bottom note imply a major harmony. It actually implies this chord. Here's a little trick. And ignore these numbers. Don't let the numbers confuse you. But when you go from a minor one to a major two, you're actually implying... A diminished chord. Whoa. All of a sudden major doesn't seem so happy, does it? Because of the context that it's in with the minor chord, the result of the harmony is the diminished. And that's why it doesn't feel happy. Because in your brain, subconsciously, you're putting everything together. Wait, even though that chord's major, it's with the minor, followed by the minor, and together they make, oh, wait, I'm scared. Or, oh, wait, I'm really tense. Again, don't worry about those numbers. Just listen to the sound of it. Your brain will tell you what's right. Then we get more into that Eastern thing that we were talking about in the verse. This part. Yeah, yeah, holding that long note right above the tonic. Guess what scale that's based out of? That's right, the one we talked about before, the Superlocrian. Again, don't worry about the name, but here's the sound. And that creates a great deal of tension because we don't normally associate those two notes that are held out together in the same scale, at least not something that feels resolved. And that makes us feel weird, makes us feel tense, makes things feel exotic. What to expect from this group of white cloaks? What are they going to do? And then the final phrase goes like this. And there again, we are returning to a diminished chord impression at the end. Even though it's a major chord... It still gives us the impression of a diminished chord because of what preceded it. And the result of all of it combining in your head, your brain's doing Pythagoras' math without you even noticing it, but you're feeling the diminished chord. Let's just do one more talk about the rhythm and tempo. This tempo is one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three right? It feels slow. It feels methodical. It's the kind of thing that you portray with something kind of sinister, almost like a snake slowly moving in on its prey, right? Now, I'm going to play this little snippet from Aldeval again and feel that tempo, and then I will play my little Bach version of that, and you will see that because of the way that it is in a different meter and the way that I have subdivided it, where my thing is like, pop, 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 it sounds very hoity-toity. But first, here's Peter Cox and Lauren Balfe with the Sinister Version. And then we get back to my hoity-toity version. And I'll be back with some closing thoughts here in just a moment. And we're back here at Home Base. Thanks so much for joining me at this time. We really appreciate it. Don't forget, new episodes, three of them this friday and then be sure to join the discord server you do so by looking up at bust blockbusters on twitter actually at bust blockbuster on twitter and then pinned to that profile is a link for you to join the discord server 2 p.m on saturdays after new episodes of wheel of time airs we want you there to talk to me About what you thought about the episodes that you saw the day before. Because you're not gonna wait to watch these episodes. You're not. I'm not. I'm gonna watch them first thing that I can. As soon as they're available, I'm gonna be watching them. I know you are too. So there's plenty of time to think about what you saw. And then there's lots of time on Saturday afternoon to come and talk to me about what you thought please do so. Or you can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com m-a-t-t-s-audioblog at gmail.com Be sure to tweet at bustblockbuster Be sure to follow and tweet to at the word double, the letters P-H-Q on Twitter or Instagram. They also have a Facebook page, by the way. That's facebook.com slash the word double the letters P-H-Q And, of course, they have a YouTube. Search for double P Media on YouTube. Don't forget that when you subscribe to my podcast or any of the Double P podcasts take a screenshot of it I mean, that's not that hard to do then tweet it to me at Bust Blockbusters and you are entered into a contest in order to win something Wheel of Time related maybe something from Lauren Balf, maybe something from Robert Jordan Hey people. See ya. Send emails to Mattsaudioblog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at Mattsaudioblog.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.